coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. But the rule was, whatever you shot, you had to eat, which is a great rule. You know? right. right. Don't shoot so, a squirrel. <laughs> well, actually, squirrel was one of the things that I enjoyed hunting, and I really enjoy fried squirrel. Oh, really? no way. I thoroughly, absolutely love what I do as a family doctor and consider that I have the greatest job in the world. And that's when I met you, was fresh out of a residency, right? Correct, yes. Again, in 2001, I met him in a drug closet, as I like uh-huh. to say. <laughs> At the time, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep, and in walks this handsome, tall, blonde, I want to say Swede, because, you know, you kind of look <laughs> Swedish. <laughs> and uh, little did I know he was gay, uh, go figure. Uh-huh. <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to. But you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button, and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is one of my best friends in the world, Dr. Nick Okuson. Around town, he's affectionately referred to as Dr. Nick, but I affectionately call him Nichols. Nick grew up on a farm in Kansas, is a huge foodie, and his second family are the restaurants in St. Pete. At the top of the show, we have Abby with her recipe for fried Lost Coast oysters with tomato butter and pickled shallots and corn. We We have have a great great show, so so stick stick around. around. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. 
and the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Please welcome, with our monthly recipe, straight from the St. Pete Foodies Test Kitchen, Abby Allen. Welcome, Abby. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Doing great. And we want to thank Roland Oats for sponsoring this recipe segment. All of the ingredients, with one exception, came from Roland Oats. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Abby. Nope. Every single thing came from Roland Oats, except for the special ingredient. Yeah. And let me tell you, Roland Oats is a locally owned organic food market where you can get the highest quality ingredients for cooking at home. And they also have delicious prepared foods for when you're on the run or don't feel like cooking. And they've been around for over 25 years now. And last week, we had Brian and Lindsay from the Lost Coast Oyster Company on the podcast. And now we have a new recipe for November using, guess what? Lost Coast Oysters. Delicious Lost Coast Oysters. They are. Your photo looked amazing. Oh, I want everyone to make this recipe. They <laughs> are so good. So for all of you who don't know who are listening, um, the recipe we came up with for this month, it's a fried Lost Coast oysters with tomato butter and then pickled shallots and corn. So Yum. Yes, so good. And that I, checks all the boxes. Yes, it does. And um I mean, initially when I thought oysters, you know, Kevin had mentioned about utilizing the oysters. I, you know, I don't, I've never really made fried oysters per se. We've done broiled and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought fresh. And then he had mentioned, oh, maybe not fresh, you know. So we came up with this one. And after he had mentioned, you know, utilizing tomatoes and corn, which are in season in Florida right now. Correct, Kevin? Mm -hmm. Yep. I found this website. I think it's uh, fresh in Florida or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they have a page that shows you everything that is fresh and in season right now, including they had oysters on there and the tomatoes and the corn. So oysters actually are in season now. That would be wild oysters. But the Lost Coast oysters, which are farmed, are always Always in season. Always in season. And where where can you pick those up in in around St. Pete? Ah, the Urban Market um, at Urban Urban Brew and Barbecue. You go pop right in and in the back little corner there, they have a little market area set up. And um, Lindsay was nice enough to put the, you know, put my name on the oysters and Mm -hmm. Let them know what's the name. They have a little nice little checklist and 
picked up my oysters. And then, of course, they have other local items like, you know, queen colony honey and different things like that. So it's a nice nice little addition to that, you know, urban brew situation. So absolutely. Yeah. So how how exactly did you fry these? So we fried them. um, Of course, we shocked them. And then um, fried them in, um, let them soak in a little bit of buttermilk after rinsing them, and then tossed them in a mixture of um, cornmeal and organic flour, and then um, this organic Cajun seasoning that Rolling Oats had, thankfully, and it gives it a nice little, you know, a nice little spice. Just, you know, not too overwhelming. Yeah, just a little zing. Yeah, a little zing. And then we actually have a fryer. Um, which you could, if you don't don't have a fryer, you could just do it in like a Dutch oven or, you know, heat the oil to, I think it was 375. Yes. For, um, and you just drop your oysters in for two to three minutes after you've done your little buttermilk, you know, cornmeal, um, flour situation and just let them, you know, kind of hang out after you pull them out on a, on a rack there, a wire rack. And, um, yeah, it's so, so simple. So, so simple. What, What order did you, did you do the coatings in? So the coatings, I did buttermilk and then- So you just soaked the oysters by themselves in the buttermilk for a yeah. little bit? Yep. For like, yeah, just like five, 10 minutes. Yep. Let them soak in there and then, you know, pull them out, let the excess buttermilk drip off, toss it around in the mixture, um, which also has some salt, of course, in it for some extra seasoning um, along with the um, the Cajun seasoning and the cornmeal and the flour. Toss so that was all mixed together? Yep. That was all mixed together. Mm-hmm. And then you just- toss it around in there and shake off the excess. And then I think we did it in batches of like four or five at a time, just so they don't get too crowded and such. And 375, two to three minutes, and they'll get like a little golden brown because they're, you know, they're not giant oysters, which I like. Uh, They cook pretty quickly. Yeah. So that part was a cinch. Actually, the entire process was a cinch. And what I started out with first was pickling the shallots and the corn. So in that we just use, um, or I just use the red wine vinegar, some hot water, some salt and some sugar, pour it over your shallots and your corn and let it hang out for like a half hour. And then you can keep that in a jar for up to a week to put it on salads, put it on, you know, all kinds of stuff. So and then the tomato butter, which, oh my gosh, I just want to put tomato butter on everything now. (laughs) (laughs) So good. You take um, cherry tomatoes, scraped tomatoes, whatever you can find, throw them in the oven, broil them until the skin starts to blister and then process them with some room temperature butter. I use Vital Farms, Mm. uh, of course, pasture raised. You can get it at Rolling Oats, of course. Um, So blend it with the food processor with it's two sticks of butter. I know it makes everybody cringe. But, <laughs> two um, sticks of butter and you just put all the tomatoes in there with it. A pint of, or yeah, a little pint of tomatoes. And then I put in some chives as well. I really like chives. Process that all up and it'll, you know, put it in the fridge, let it solidify and you can keep that for a few months. It is so good. So oh, wow. the way I plated that, I took a little spoonful of the butter. It was still at room temperature, so it wasn't too hard. Spread that across the plate, put my oysters, fried on top, and then top, of course, with the um, shallot and corn mixture and then some extra chives. Delicious. Yum. It's like a nice little like appetizer, I would say, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and that was restaurant quality plating you did. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I wonder but, if you could air fry them. Sorry, I'm thinking out loud here. That's a good idea. And after you asked me how I did it, I was kind of thinking that as well. I don't have, we don't have an air fryer. We don't have one for one right now, but, um, and you guys have one, correct? Yeah, we do. That's what I was thinking about. Hmm, maybe we could air fry these. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's, that would be, yeah, I would 
be interested in experimenting with that for sure. But yeah, right. don't, don't have a fryer, don't have an air fryer. You could just fill up your, you know, pot with a few inches of canola oil, vegetable oil. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, same process with like a can- candy thermometer. Put it in there at 375 and good to go. Cool. And we have a wine recommendation as usual from our wine expert friend, Ken Smith. And he's he's recommending Muscadet. He says that's a grape... He says that's a grape that embodies relaxed elegance, is beautifully accessible, affordable, and unpretentious. A classic match with oysters showing citrus, apple notes, and a crisp, bright acidity that are a delicious offset to the brininess of bivalves. Nice. And and he also recommends a specific one too, a uh, Bourgier Muscadet from France's Loire Valley. Is a the delect- Loire Valley. Loire Valley. It's a delectable. That's what I said. <laughs> Go ahead. The Loire Valley. Loire Valley, honey. L-O- Look up the pronunciation okay. like I did. Okay. okay. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> really? Go ahead. No, I'll play it for you when we get off here. Okay. <laughs> Again, we want to thank Roland Oates for sponsoring the monthly recipe. Abby Allen for creating it, and Ken Smith for doing the wine pairing. Yes, thank you all. Buen provecho, y'all. We'll be right back with Dr. Nick Okasin. <laughs> that was funny. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Please welcome taker of the Hippocratic Oath and our foodie friend, Dr. Nicholas Okison. Hi, sweetie. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and Lori says sweetie because you guys have known each other for a really long time. 19 years. Wow. Yes. And thank you guys for the uh, invitation to join you on the podcast. It's a big honor for me. So thank you so very much. You're welcome, of course. Thanks for taking the time. Yes. Absolutely. So you are a total foodie. I just want everyone to know right away, you uh, are very experienced going to restaurants. A lot of chefs know you and you know them. And we're definitely going to get into some great food talk. And you do some pretty fancy cooking at home too. Yeah, you do. But first we want to get, we want the audience to get to know you. Yes. So tell us where you're from and your background. I know all this, but they don't. <laughs> no problem. So I grew up uh, on a farm and a ranch in a little small town of about 300 people in northwest Kansas called Weskin, Kansas, W-S-K-A-N. And uh, the food scene out there consisted of good old family home cooking on the farm and ranch. So, uh, you know, we grew up raising our own farm animals, chicken, pigs, beef. And that was, you know, mom always had a big garden, did a lot of canning. So in the summertime, there was always... Lots of fresh veggies around and then uh, the meat that we raised on our own farm. Did you have to actually get up in the morning and do like farm chores and stuff and milk the cows and everything? 
We did. We actually had, most of the time we had four milk cows, uh, Jerseys and Guernseys. And my brother and sister and I'd get up early in the morning, even uh, in, the, in the middle of the wintertime during blizzards, we'd have to get up and go milk the cows before we'd go to school. Yeah. Come home after school, after sports practice or, or band practice or whatever we happened to be doing and milk the cows at night. That was just part of the chores. Right. Wow. So that was the, that was the background. And then after college and uh, medical school moved down here to the beautiful Tampa Bay area. And that's really when I started getting more into the uh, food and wine scene was once I moved down here, started getting exposure to other, other types of food and, and other food cultures and really became fascinated with it and intrigued with it. Can I go back to the farm for a sec? Sure. <laughs> we're so, intrigued by the farm. Yeah. So were the, did, did the chickens, did they get to run around and stuff? Oh yeah. They ran around. I mean, we'd put them in the chicken coop at night because the raccoons and stuff had come to yeah. pick so, off one or two. My, my uh, dad grew up on a farm in uh, Georgia and when I was a little kid, we used to go down for summer vacation and we would stay at, uh, you know, our grandmother's house still on the farm. And there were like chickens running around, there were cows and horses and, and there were also alligators. Well, we did not have to deal with alligators. <laughs> um, not in Kansas. No, no, we didn't, didn't have to deal with that. Um, but we did have to deal with the occasional skunk in the chicken house, oh. which... You know, when it's dark late at night and you go in to, uh, to gather a few eggs and you end up being surprised with, with a blast from the back end of a skunk, that's, oh, always, no. that's always the bad ending to an egg gathering session. Oh, and, that, and that might have occurred more than once. <laughs> wow. I've never even seen a skunk, knock on wood. <laughs> so oh, would God. they go in there to try to get the eggs? Uh, eggs, or they actually sometimes would even go in to go after the chickens. Oh, the wow. The skunks would? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they can so be. Did, uh, you, did you slaughter your own chickens and cows? We did. Now wow. the, the the pigs and the cattle those would go um, those would go to a butcher shop. Mm-hmm. Um, we we did not uh, slaughter our own larger animals, mm. um, but we did. And then my brother and I also hunted quite a bit growing up, and our our granddad taught us how to shoot. And uh, but the rule was whatever you shot, you had to eat, which is a great rule. You know? Right. Right. Don't shoot so, a squirrel. Well, actually, <laughs> squirrel was one of the things that I enjoyed hunting, and I really enjoy fried squirrel. Oh, really? no way. Yeah, we used to pan fry it, and mom, mom would make like a white gravy uh, or a brown gravy out of the drippings in the pan. And uh, so we actually ate, you know, we, we had squirrel and rabbit and pheasant and duck and goose, deer. Uh, wow. Yeah, venison. So well, you were my, used to eating a lot of um, exotic things that most folks don't. Yeah, but we didn't, you know, growing up on the farm and ranch like that, we didn't consider that exotic at the time. We were just mm-hmm. hunting and, and eating what, what we got out there. Right, right. Um, you know, so when I got down here, people were like, oh, we have venison loin. I was like, <laughs> well, we have a whole bunch of it in the freezer at home. <laughs> <laughs> so does your family still do any of that now? I don't think they hunt that much anymore. I mean, like the ranching farming. They do. In fact, my mom and dad still run uh, the ranch and farm out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brother's very actively involved in the cattle industry. And then my sister and brother-in-law 
have a farm and a ranch as well, about uh, 90 miles away from where my parents are. So, I don't think I've ever asked you this question, and I just learned a whole bunch about you I didn't know. <laughs> but um, what in coming from that background, what made you decide you wanted to be a doctor? And how, how, when did you decide you wanted to do this? What age? So in college, I guess it was when I went to college, I thought I wanted to be a high school biology teacher, definitely influenced by a couple of my own teachers uh, going through school. And then when I was down at Bethany College in Lindsburg, Kansas, my advisor, actually, Dr. England, sat me down one day and he said, you know, Nick, I've, I've been doing this for about 30 years and I really want you to consider medical school. Wow. I said, well, I had never really considered that. Not sure if I'm qualified for that. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I want you to study for the MCAT and uh, let's see what happens. Next thing I knew, I was applying to medical school and then going to medical school. And uh, I thoroughly, absolutely love what I do as a family doctor and consider that I have the greatest job in the world. And that's when I met you. It was fresh out of a residency, right? Correct. Yes. Again, in 2001, I met him in a drug closet, as I like uh -huh. to say. <laughs> At the time, I was a pharmaceutical sales rep and then walks this handsome, tall, Blonde, I want to say Swede because, you know, you kind of look Swedish. <laughs> and uh, little did I know he was gay. Uh, go figure. <laughs> well, but here we are I'll now. I'll still take the compliments, Lori. <laughs> no, it was great. It was love at first sight. <laughs> and friends ever since. Yes. yes. So, what's the difference between an MD and a DO? Back in the old days, there was quite a bit of difference. The, the osteopathic profession was actually started uh, by an MD uh, by, by the name of, Ms. of Dr. Still. And he was kind of uh, disgruntled with the treatments that were occurring during the Civil War, thought there was a different way to take care of patients. And that was when he went out to Missouri and, uh, and started the A.T. Still School of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri. That's where I ultimately ended up going to DO school. So you don't always have to cut their legs off. No, correct. No. Thank God medicine has come a long way. Um, so there's a little bit of difference in uh, underlying philosophy at the medical school level. And DO is typically part of the uh, tenets of osteopathic medicine is we call it the mind-body-spirit connection. And instead of being just completely or, or focusing more on disease-based medicine, we try to be a little more uh, proactive and work with folks uh, from a preventative medicine standpoint and also a little more holistic standpoint. Right. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, just herbology and that sort of thing. I mean, and certainly with the recent ACGME mergers, the uh, DO and MD residency programs have now been combined. Oh. Um, so the training programs, you know, DOs and MDs are now all uh, board certified and, and will be board certified by dual boards. So, and DOs now also do every specialty same as MDs. But cool. still, we, you know, the approaches are a little bit different. It'll be interesting to see what happens now that the training programs have merged. Right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I should have said to clarify before I asked the question is that your title is not. MD, it's DO. Right. And that's Correct. Doctor, Doctor of Osteopathy. 
Correct. Right. Correct. Right. Cool. Yeah. So it's, you know, part of medicine and uh, both MDs and DOs are, are uh, licensed in all 50 states here in the U.S. Right. Uh, cool. So it was what, not always that way back in the day because there were some differences in licensures, but that's been, right. uh, that's been taken care of some time ago. Hey, so what, hey, what, hey, hey, Nick, yeah. your voice is going in and out. Sometimes we hear you uh, good and other times you're kind of fading out. Un- unfortunately, that's the vocal cords from my medicine. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. <Right>. Sorry. <laughs> that's from right. my inhalers. Unfortunately, I, I, I can't control that. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Um, and we're not going to talk about this in depth, but Nick recently has, he's recovering from a bout of COVID-19. Right. And has yes. been very outspoken on uh, convalescent plasma and what we can do to help patients. So yeah, and if anybody's interested, uh, you, you you've a, done done a bunch of videos. Uh, is that on YouTube? Yes, they're on uh, uh, YouTube and Facebook both. What what should they search for to find that? Uh, oh boy, you just caught me off guard. Just search it, like your, it's your name. Something Swede. I'm uh, an administrator on there, and I don't even know it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll put a link on the blog post when yeah. this goes out. Okay, I was going to say let's circle back to that. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's so fine. anybody that's listening on like your iPhone or an app or something, if you're interested, just go to our website stpetersburgfoodies.com, look for the podcast tab, of course, and then when you see the one for this, you'll find the link. Yes. Okay. And um before we go to break, I wanted to ask what exactly brought you here to this area. You said you came here after, but why? Yeah, so I came down as a third-year medical student to do some of my training, some of my external uh, rotations, and then I was going to go back to Kansas for my residency, and uh, it worked out that I stayed here for my internship and residency and got a little sand between the toes, as they say, mm-hmm. and what was supposed to be a two-year stay starting in 1993 has turned <laughs> into a fantastic two-year stay. Right. (laughs) The best and longest two years of my life. Yes. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Okay. We're going to, we're going to take a quick break, have a word from our sponsors, and then we will be right back with Dr. Nick Okeson. Hey foodies. Do you know about the Zest podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them too. They're part of the Tampa NPR station, WUSF 89.7 on the Zest You'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season. The Zest Podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency. Just like us, the Zest podcast has interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida. It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. Check out the Zest podcast at thezestpodcast.com. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. 
From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North, and in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. We are back! We are back! We are back with Dr. Nicholas Okasin, D.O., whom we refer to as Nick. Oh, yeah, and I have a quick, <laughs> quick story. Yeah. So, as we said earlier, Lori's known Nick for 20 years? 19. It'll be 20 years next yeah. year. So, yeah. and, and me for seven that's how long I've been with Lori. Yes. And you shortly after that became my doctor. And the first time I ever went to your office, uh, and you usually come in with um, like a a student doctor. Yeah. Usually they have medical students or residents that are training with me. So you come in the room and I'm like, hello, Dr. Okasin. And and you just start (laughs) laughing like, that's Nick. Come on. (laughs) Kind of reminded me of like of the character Hawkeye on MASH. (laughs) The Hawaiian shirts and everything. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole white coat and tie thing never worked for me. Was, right. <laughs> when I finished residency, the first thing, you know, I was like, okay, I'm getting rid of that white coat. I don't wear a tie. I'm wearing I'm wearing Hawaiian shirts to work every day. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some food stuff because this is a food show, and I guess. We obvious stuff. We want to know some of your favorite restaurants and dishes and some of the people you know and places you hang out. But how did you kind of start your food journey? When did you start getting into really into become a foodie? Yeah. So it actually started back when I was still a medical student. Um, back then, the uh, the pharmaceutical industry would have called pharma dinners, and they were like dinner lectures where physicians would talk about new products that were coming out and disease states that we were treating at the time. And we would get invited to these dinners, which were usually held at nice restaurants, you know, and we'd get a great dinner out of this besides our, our lecture. And so I started going to some of those and found out, wow, there's all this amazing food out there that I didn't even know existed. And somebody else was paying for it, which was awesome, (laughs) especially when you're a poor medical student who's used to eating ramen noodles seven nights a week. Yeah, and not the good ones. No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I started going to to some of those dinners and really enjoyed it. And then through the course of that, started meeting servers and then ultimately meeting chefs at these restaurants and became friends with them. So – as I worked my way up through the, the medical ranks as an intern and resident and 
actually had a paycheck and could afford to buy dinner on my own. Started going out to more of these restaurants and became friends with more of the chefs. And then it, then it became fun, especially for those of you guys who knew him, Chef Tom Pritchard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Chef Tom ended up becoming one of my very, very dear friends. And I spent a lot of time with him down at Salt Rock Grill. He's the one that actually got me uh, into trying wine. And we spent many afternoons and evenings doing wine tastings. And he just taught me so much. And it's my time with him. But he he just taught me so much. Right. And and I I know just from hanging around with you that you are, I would say, uh, definitely educated on wine. Mm -hmm. I'd say probably above average by far. Thank you. That's very kind. So as someone educated on wine, do you have any wine 101 basic advice or your three tips for someone who wants to maybe figure out how to enjoy wine more? You know, I think probably the most important thing that I learned from Chef Tom, and even the first time we went out to Napa, uh, which Lori right. was with me on, yes. I think the most important thing is is I learned don't be intimidated by it. You know, I yeah. think people when if they've never really experimented in in the wine world or anything, it's extremely intimidating because everything that you read and when you watch wine shows and stuff, you think, oh my God, there's no way I can learn all of this. People are snotty that drink wine. But but that's just a perception. When we were out in Napa and what Chef Tom taught me was, wine is meant to be shared with friends and it's meant to be enjoyed. And you should just sit back learn what you like and have fun with it and share it with those that you care about. And you're very good at doing that, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I don't know how much wine you've shared with me over the time, but it's been a lot. <laughs> and and what, what are you drinking right now? Uh, I'm actually drinking a, a beautiful rosé from uh, the southern end of Provence right now over in France. It's nice with the weather being so warm so outside. Hot. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so I, I'm having this beautiful rosé right now. And we should Um, mention that we are recording on a Friday afternoon, otherwise known as Wino Friday in Nick in My World. Correct. Wino Friday for many years. Yes, many. I think within the first few years that we became friends, Nick has every Friday off from the office, and I would get my pharmaceutical stuff done really early and then sneak off to the house. Don't tell my past managers any of this. (laughs) Sneak over to Nick's house, and we would just uh, celebrate Wino Fridays, and it's stuck ever since. And then didn't that develop into more people coming over? Yes, it did. Eventually, we had some pretty wild Wino Fridays. Uh Yeah. Eventually, it (laughs) turned into quite a few people would show up with a bottle of wine. Yes. And we'd end up making a a countertop full of appetizers, and Mm -hmm. and everybody would enjoy our, our Friday afternoons, which frequently turned into Friday nights. Um, with with lots of fun shared stories and laughter yes absolutely which we still enjoy to this day we do yeah now you're making me want to do that right after this (laughs) (laughs) yeah i actually named uh nick's house wino friday central on facebook and it's still stuck yeah yes check in for that there and it's funny because people even once in a while now will send a message and say wow the pictures (laughs) the pictures that you post from this why no Friday Central? Where is this? Because we need to make a reservation. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thing happen to me because, you know, my check-in is Lori's at the Orleans because my yes. building used to be called the Orleans. My mother asked me one day, where is this place at the Orleans that you're always at? I want to go there. I'm like, mom, that's my, my condo. You've been there. 
Well, I was laughing one time because my mom had called and she was like, you know, Nick, where your dad and I were talking and we're a little bit worried because you seem to be spending a lot of time at this Wino Friday. <laughs> and uh, even sleeping you know, there. Yeah. We, you know, do we need to come have an intervention? Because uh, you are there a lot. <laughs> I'm like, well, great. mom, that's, that's the name of my house on <laughs> just to let you know you should be happy that this is where I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so we, so on ahead. restaurants. Yes, restaurants. What, yes. Are, what are some of your old favorites and, and new favorites? Also, yeah, do you have any new discoveries? Oh, sure. So old favorites. I still well, enjoy going, mainly for the, for the nostalgia, but their food is still good. I still enjoy going down to Salt Rock. Right. Have, yeah, Salt Rock Grill. I have so many great memories down there. Uh, with Chef Tom and and mm-hmm. the majority of the wait staff from back in the day, with whom right. I'm still friends, you know, downtown now Park Shore with Chef Tyson, still one of my all time favorites, and the amazing crew that they have down there, love yes. love that team mm-hmm. to death. Absolutely, right. They were they were kicking it before this was like a foodie town. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember when they first opened down there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was that was such a uh, an amazing new place because nobody really went downtown when they opened that. And, right. You know, people were saying, "Oh, this place is never going to make it. People <laughs> aren't going to come downtown to Beach Drive for this." Well, boy, am I ever glad they were all wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we have to throw a mention in there to your all-time favorite place that used to be around the corner from your house. Cafe Pont, which is no longer with us. I know. I know. You were there at Uh, least once a week. Oh, yeah. Usually either Thursday or Friday night I was at Cafe Pont, which, you know, congrats to to Chef and and his new ventures over in Tampa. Even though I have to cross the bridge, I have to say I love Olivia. I'm looking forward to Pont, the new restaurant that will be opening in Midtown. So congrats on the new ventures, and uh, I, I know that things will go well. Yes, they. I'm sure they yeah. will. He's a very talented, talented chef. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Olivia's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, their food is so good. Oh, so good. Yeah. And <laughs> then, uh, what are your, some of your, your other favorites downtown? Yeah. So, like one of my one of the uh, I, I love going now to Birch and Vine. Now, you know, it's it's a little treat. COVID put a uh, a halt on what I had been doing, but you know, even being a local. I enjoyed going, staying down at the Birchwood, usually one weekend a month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a little gem of a hotel. Or, it is. Uh, you know, and, and the food is amazing. The dessert menu there right now, oh my gosh, I absolutely love it. You get that in one of their smoked old fashions, you are good to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's we love the Birchwood. A, oh, perfect little cap there at the end of the night. Yeah, um, I miss you doing that. That was fun. I know, <laughs> I know. Certainly look forward to uh, uh, the Vinoy Sunday brunch, getting back to what that used to be. That's always a huge treat to be able to do that. That'll be back up to par one of these days when all of this COVID mess calms down. Right. Um, and and we recently introduced you to Bowen Moe's. Yeah, Bowen Moe's. Wow. So that ribeye there, folks, you get the ribeye and a lobster tail. That mm-hmm. was some good eats right there. Fun wine list. Yeah, fun wine list there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, same thing at, at uh, Altamar. You get the charcuterie next door. Now, 
I have not had these new oysters yet that you guys were telling me. Oh, Lost Coast. Yeah. Lost Coast. So I'm excited to get down there and try these Lost Coast oysters. Um, I've heard great things and I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. And they they were just recently on the podcast for a second time. Yeah. Perfect. I I, I have not heard that yet, but I'm certainly looking forward to trying these oysters. Well, you're in for a treat. I promise. (laughs) Great. Great. Yep. Yeah, there's just, you know, the food scene has just really blown up. And uh, the drink scene as well. I mean, it's always fun to go to Flute and Dram. Have, I think it's fun to have a place to actually go get caviar and champagne. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. When I have totally. friends that come from out of town, like if my cousins come from Denver, first time I took them there, they just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, it's fun. It's something different to do. Right. Um, and people just think it's cool. Well, it is cool. It is cool. Exactly. And also off of Beach Drive, I know you love Il Ritorno too. Oh, Il Ritorno. Their food is, yeah, chef is amazing. There's just so many great places. Um, you know, and now the food scene is expanding even more out into the, the uh, uh, warehouse district and the arts district. Right. Um, we're the just urban, so... Urban Oh yeah, there, there's so much going on. You know, there's yeah, the Urban Stillhouse I want to go check out. Mm-hmm. There's all these great places, but then you go, yeah, but I have all these favorites that I always go back to, <laughs> especially when you know the chefs and you know the, the the wait staff there because they really are your friends and you want to go see them and support them. Yeah, it feels yeah. like cheers. I know, I get yeah. it. I feel it, that it way. Does. I feel that. But way it's also important that we get out there and we support these new chefs and. You know, certainly uh, Chef Jeff Jew's new linger. I'm really excited about that coming. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With this whole Asian-Norwegian fusion, I've been visiting with him a little bit. And gosh, I'm so excited for this place to open. Yeah, I think that's going to be really great. Oh, I know he's, he's shared a little bit with me about the design space and about the food. And I'm just super excited for him. Uh, I know it's going to be a great place for us to gather and celebrate as well. So, yeah, it will be for sure. Dr. Nick Okasin, thank you so much. Yes. You are welcome. And thank you guys so much for inviting me. It's uh, always such great fun and a pleasure to see you guys and be able to hang out and share some great food and great wine and great conversation. So thanks for inviting me to join you guys on the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll see you in person soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. New on the website. You will find the top 10 best new restaurants in St. Petersburg for 2020. We have a new review of Pier Tiki. That's the top floor at the new pier. And we also have the recipe that we talked about at the top of the show. You will be dying to see that. You got to check out the recipe just for the photo alone is going to make you drool. Next week on the show, we'll be talking to executive chef Corey Albright from Copa Lounge. If you'd like to send us fan mail, hate mail, or if you have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com.
That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Nick Okeson. And Abby Allen. And thanks to our sponsors. Roland Oates. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Great, you must be hungry. Let's bring in some food.